0: Why don't you take your Bible. Go with me to John chapter ten. That's where we're going to be today. As we continue our series, His words and His ways. Thank you, Benji. Appreciate it, man. You guys give it up for Benji. Such a servant's heart. <clears throat> As you're turning there today, uh, it, it is a significant Sunday for us as we recognize uh, the need and the opportunity for foster care, uh, but also we recognize that today is coming right on the hills of Veterans Day, and so I, I want us, we, we know Scripture is very clear that we're to give honor to whom honor is due, and uh, I, I want to honor those of you that have served in our military, and so if you're a veteran in here, would you just stand and allow us to have an opportunity to thank you, rightfully thank you for how you've served? our nation. Thank you. Thank you. You can be... You can be seated. Thank you for the freedoms that you have helped uh, provide and sustain for for our nation, for our community, even for our own families. And we are uh, forever grateful for how you have sacrificed and modeled the heart of Jesus, taking on the form of a servant uh, to serve your country. And so, just know our gratitude as a church uh, to each one of you and to your families, as, as we know families are affected by that as well. We're very grateful for that. Uh, today is Foster Care Sunday, and um, we uh we think that it is critically important to shine a light on uh again on the need uh, but not just the need the opportunity for us to demonstrate the heart of jesus and to be the hands and feet of jesus uh, in this critical area and so uh, we're doing that more than just by being a voice today but also giving you those connection points so you heard evan talk about uh, you can connect through the QR code or through firstwest.cc but also in person today um, out in the lobby you probably saw it as you were coming in on the first floor um, we have um, a, a ministry called CASA court appointed special advocate of coming alongside these children of the foster care system to be a support person for them as they're walking through uh, the court system we have a Louisiana Baptist children's home we have um, uh, at First West here we have a foster care support team where um, Uh, We have a group of volunteers that are available. So when a family in our church gets placed with a child and they have needs that may come about, I mean, within just maybe a couple of hours notice, um, we have volunteers here that are ready to come around them and support them and get them what they need. the DCFS is here today, plays such a critical role in this. You would, you would minister to my heart today if you would just tell them thank you today. That is such a, a difficult job that they do, but such an important job. And so, uh, so there, there are ways to get connected in person today if you're in the room. Uh, if, if for some reason you can't today, maybe for those that are watching online or just in the room, there's a place for you to connect But this is vitally important. And and, and one of the reasons it's vitally important is this, is the opportunity that we have as a church. is because not just that we can be part of the solution of providing a home for an innocent child, but we can do it in a way that demonstrates the heart of Jesus. In the video, you heard Austin talk about the opportunity that we have to provide not just a safe home, but a loving and caring Christ-centered home. We have the opportunity here for, for a child to be placed in a home, uh, not just with a nuclear family, but as you heard Chesley say, to all of a sudden become a part of a bigger church family. It, it's an opportunity that we can provide that, that maybe another family that would be willing to provide their home, but don't, don't share the values and have the family that we have an opportunity to do something very special and significant in the life of a child. And why is that so critical? Because that models the heart of Jesus. That's displaying the heart of who Jesus is, of caring for the least of these. And and today it is so fitting as we take this day to shine a light on that need and on that opportunity that we do it in line with the passage that we're looking at today from John chapter 10, where Jesus is going to communicate that I am the good shepherd. Because when he is going to say, I am the good shepherd, and all that he's going to say about it here in these first 18 verses of chapter 10, he is going to communicate several things, but one of those is communicating his heart for his sheep. It's communicating his heart for his people. And so today, if you haven't been with us, we're in this series, Walking Through the Gospel of John, and we're looking at the seven significant signs that Jesus does. And at the same time, we're looking at the seven I am statements that Jesus makes because in what he says and what he does, it reveals who he is. And today, it's going to be important for your life today to be either become aware of who this Jesus is or to be reminded of who this Jesus is, because in doing so, when you hear that voice, the voice of the shepherd, you'll follow. So I want to invite you to stand as we honor the reading of God's Word, we're going to read together the first six verses, the first six verses of John chapter 10. It says, Truly I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way, is a thief and a robber. And the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Let's pray together. Jesus, we're just asking today that you would make much of yourself, by Spirit of God, you revealing to us today more and more who you are and who we are, that we, like those that Jesus saw, we were like sheep without a shepherd in great need, and yet today we see that, Jesus, you are the shepherd of our souls. So God, would you clear obstacles from this room? Would you clear obstacles from our minds today to allow us to give you our complete focus on what it is that you have for us? In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. May God bless the reading of his word. I am the good... Shepherd. Some believe that when Jesus said this, just as a couple of weeks ago when he said, I am the light, that it could be that Jesus was saying this as he was there with some Pharisees and with some of the crowd, that as he was just standing there, that there was a shepherd who walked by with his flock of sheep. And it gave Jesus another opportunity to leverage an earthly moment to teach a spiritual truth. And the spiritual truth that he would teach them in this moment was, again, revealing who he was. And so today, we're going to navigate verse 1 through 18. And I want us to begin looking at verse 1 through 6 because it sets an important trajectory for us as we consider what it means that Jesus is the good shepherd. If you're taking notes, I want to encourage you to write down this first thing, as we look at verse 1 through 6, that the true shepherd calls people to himself. The true shepherd calls people to himself. Now, again, in this time, and even going back into the Old Testament, shepherds played a significant role in their culture. As we look back to the Old Testament and we think about the significant pillars of the Old Testament, like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and David these are all men who served this role as a shepherd but it wasn't the only shepherds of the old testament because you see oftentimes in the old testament this word shepherd was used not just of those who were literally shepherding sheep but oftentimes God through the prophets would use this word shepherd to describe those that were leading the people of God and while we look at the old testament we do see moments where there were shepherds who led God's people really really well But there were other times when that wasn't the case. We see, for instance, the significance of this role, shepherd, and how a shepherd would lead the people uh, when Moses is praying to God about his successor, Joshua. He's praying in Numbers chapter 27. And listen to what he says here as we see how important this idea was to the people. It says, Moses appealed to the Lord. May the Lord, the God who gives breath to all, appoint a man over the community who will go out before them and come back in before them, who will bring them out and bring them in so that the Lord's community won't be like sheep without a shepherd. And so, this understanding for the people was clear that they needed someone to lead them, they needed someone to care for them, to protect them, to be the shepherd of their soul. While there were many, as I said, that were great, there were those that weren't. What makes a bad shepherd? That's a good question. A bad shepherd's one who sleeps on the job, right? A bad shepherd is one who doesn't keep real good count of the number of sheep he has. But I would say the worst of shepherds are those that use the sheep only to care for themselves and that's what we see at moments throughout the old testament in fact in ezekiel chapter 34 and in jeremiah chapter 23 we see that god is going to speak to these leaders of israel who were leading in such manner listen to what the lord says in ezekiel chapter 34 verse 1 and 2 it says the word of the lord came to me son of man prophesy against the shepherds of israel prophesy and say to them, this is what the Lord God says to the shepherds. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Shouldn't the shepherds feed their flock? God echoes this through the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 23, 1. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. So he had those that were leading the people of Israel, but they were doing it in a manner where it was simply self-serving. And so we look to the Old Testament, and we see this pattern of good leadership and bad leadership. And now in the Gospel of John, as as John is recording Jesus' actions and his conversations, we find this moment where he is now confronting with with the Pharisees. And Jesus is going to draw this strong contrast between himself and the Pharisees, and it's going to connect us back to what God would say about the shepherds in the Old Testament. You see, the Pharisees, in Luke chapter 16, it tells us that they were lovers of money. In Mark chapter 12, it tells us that the Pharisees took advantage of the poor widows in their community. In Matthew 21, we see that they turned God's temple into a den of thieves. In John chapter 11, just one chapter over, we're going to see that they're going to plot to kill Jesus. Not just because of who Jesus is and because of what he was saying and that they were uh, offended by that. But it tells us, that, that they were plotting to kill Jesus because there was fear that they would miss out on the kickbacks that they were receiving from Rome. You see, there were privileges that they were receiving from the Roman authorities to keep the peace, to keep things settled for Rome. And their fear was that if this Jesus continued to stir up the crowds, that, that it, would inf- it would affect them. And so their desire was, well, let's kill Jesus. Let's get rid of him. And so you see over and over again in the life of these Pharisees, the ones who were to be shepherding the souls of the people, they fall right in line with what we see in Ezekiel 34 and in Jeremiah 23. Woe to them. Woe to them, for they scatter my people. They destroy my people. And so Jesus here with potentially a shepherd with his sheep there on the spot and in the mindset of what God is is referring to um, to the leaders in in, in Old Testament Israel, there's now this moment where he's confronting them and he's going to point out the difference in the true shepherd and these shepherds that were leading the people when he arrived. What is the evidence of the true shepherd? Look with me in in chapter 10. We see several things that he's going to say here about the true shepherd. It says here that the true shepherd, uh, the gatekeeper, opens the door for him. He rightfully comes in to be with his sheep. It tells us that the sheep hear his voice. We see that he calls them by name in verse 3. And he leads them out. It tells us that he goes out before them and the sheep follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. Jesus is the true shepherd is contrasting himself here by referring to the Pharisees as thieves and robbers. And in fact, we see in verse 6 here, it tells us that he gave them this figure of speech, but they didn't understand what he was telling them. So you don't need to always feel bad if you don't understand what you're reading in the Bible, because the Pharisees didn't either, all right? But in this moment, it tells us that, that there's these thieves and the robbers. And what does it say about the thieves and the robbers? Well, it tells us that they climb in another way. But these are not their rightful sheep. It tells us when the sheep are, 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 when they present themselves to the sheep, the sheep don't hear their voice and follow them. It tells us the sheep flee. They don't follow. Why? Because the sheep don't know their voice. And this is startling for us, especially coming off of last week. If you were here this last week, you remember Jesus healed the man who was born blind? Remember his neighbors started going, man, we think this is the guy. They're like, what happened? You said, I don't know. I just know I couldn't see, and now I can see, and the man's name is Jesus. The Pharisees understand it took place on the Sabbath, so they call him in. They begin to ask him and interrogate him for what took place, and they continue to do it. They continue to press into this man to eventually they get so fed up, it tells us that they kicked him out. They kicked him out of the synagogue, banished him from the synagogue because he was not serving the purposes of the Pharisees. You remember last week what happened in that moment? It tells us in verse 35 through 38 of chapter 9 that when the Pharisees kicked the sheep out, Jesus found him. Jesus went and found him. I love, as one commentator says, in understanding the role of the true shepherd towards those who would pretend to be a shepherd, the thieves and the robbers. One commentator says this sheep follow the shepherd. It's the butcher who drives them. She, f- she follow the shepherd, but it's the butcher who drives them. And so Jesus here is contrasting and he's showing that, listen, I am the true shepherd. Now they don't, they're not catching it at the moment, but that's what he's implying here. It takes us back to what we see in the Old Testament where the Messiah, the one who was promised, the one to whom they were looking, was promised as a shepherd. In Jeremiah 23, 4 and 5, It says, I will raise up over them one who will tend them. They will no longer be afraid or discouraged, nor will any be missing. This is the Lord's declaration. Look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration. When I raise up a righteous branch for David, he will reign wisely as king and administer justice and righteousness in the land. Here's what the prophet Jeremiah is saying. He's saying, listen, when the Messiah comes, he is going to come with the heart of the shepherd and the crown of a king. And that's exactly who Jesus is. Now, we know at his first coming, he came in humility, and he will come again as that righteous, ruling king. But Jesus here is showing, listen, I am the true shepherd. And so you can follow my voice. The reality is there's a lot of voices that we have, aren't there? There's a lot of voices that we can listen to to determine should we follow. The world screams at us, follow me. I'll give you all the happiness and satisfaction you could want. Our flesh screams at us. Just fulfill that desire. Follow your heart, right? Just go wherever you want to go and things will go well. And yet scripture says that the heart is deceitful above all things. We even have religious leaders who are a voice. And oftentimes that voice can be a voice that can be self-serving. But Jesus says, I'm the true shepherd. I am the rightful voice in your life. And what we find in this passage is Jesus says that he comes in and he, he calls his sheep and leads them out and I'm so thankful today that the true shepherd is still calling sheep out today the end of our time today I'm going to give you an opportunity because some of you you have sensed the call of the shepherd on your heart for some time now you have felt his call that, listen, you've been living your life pursuing your own voice or pursuing the voice of the world, and you see where that's led you, and by God's grace, his voice is speaking softly but firmly into your heart of saying, it's time to follow me. And today, at the end of our time, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to respond to that. For some of you today, God has you in this place because you've been following a voice, but it's not his voice. And today... From John chapter 10, he's reminding you he's the true voice. He's the voice that we're to listen to. He's the voice that we can trust. He's the voice that we should follow. And why should we do it? Because the true shepherd, unlike the thief and the robber, provides for the sheep. Look at me in verse 7 through 10. It says, Jesus said again, Truly I tell you, I am the gate. For the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. So, what we find here is we have the true shepherd, but now we see the providing shepherd. The providing shepherd. The providing shepherd who leads to abundant life. So he's going to make a shift here from the shepherd to the gate, but he's still pressing this point in who he is. Now, some of you, maybe many of you, know this, but it's helpful for us to understand what he's saying when he speaks about being the gate. And that day when shepherds had their sheep, especially at nighttime, uh, they would want to do all that they could to protect, them, protect their sheep from predators. And so oftentimes they would have a sheepfold, if you will. It would be a a stone walled enclosure that would have one small opening. And in the evening, the shepherd would take his sheep. Sometimes there would be multiple shepherds with multiple flocks would all go into this same place where, where the sheep would go in. They couldn't get out. It was very difficult for things to get in. And in that opening is where the shepherd would reside for the night. He was there as a source of protection to keep, the sheep that were in, from going out where they shouldn't be. And he was there as the gate to protect those that were out, to protect them from being in where they shouldn't be. So Jesus is going to say here, I am the gate, but I don't want you to think about a swinging gate like in your backyard. I want you to hear what they would have heard, is that Jesus is now talking about how he positions himself, and in positioning himself with the sheep, what that means for the sheep. And in fact, he he says it here. Uh, Look with me in verse 9. I am the gate, and if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. Two things. Two things that I think we see Jesus say here. For those that come in by me, two things. Number one, he provides security, number two, he provides satisfaction. He provides security and satisfaction. Now, here's what I think all of us would agree on. We can make it a desire in our life to have security. Some of us, that security has become an idol in our life. It drives what we do, it, it, it seems to overtake us. We're always just concerned with being safe and secure. But listen security in our lives without satisfaction is joyless. In fact, if you would say tonight, tonight, today, if you would say today, Michael, I just want to be secure. Well, listen, you can be secure in prison. But I don't think you want that, do you? I really don't know anybody that would say, I want security, but I don't really care for satisfaction at the same time. For some people, they would say, I just want satisfaction. I don't care what it costs me i don't care what tomorrow brings i just want to be happy i just want to have joy i just want to experience all that this life has to give but here's the problem with satisfaction without security you have no hope or confidence for what tomorrow brings it's a chasing after the wind some of you you're living this you're experiencing it. every day you're just getting up trying to find the fullness of life and it just seems like you're chasing the wind the problem is is that bad days still come and if you don't have security and all you're chasing is satisfaction you'll find yourself feeling empty but Jesus says here that for the one who comes through me they will be saved what's he implying there well from the natural level what we would have understood was that for them to be in that pen with the shepherd sitting there it would have saved them from predators right right Oftentimes they would have this stone wall and they would even allow briars to grow up around it to keep things from coming in over the top of it. It would save them from from predators. It would save them from these thieves and robbers. It would make it more difficult as the sheep were were secured. But we understand today that, that Jesus here is speaking of a much deeper level, isn't he? That those that come through me will be saved. He's speaking of the salvation of your soul that it is through the gate and gate alone that we can know that we can be forgiven of our sin, the sin that separates us from God, the sin that leads to death, that leads to despair, that leads to to brokenness. He's saying, listen, there is a security that I can provide, and it's a security not just for your eternal destination of knowing that you can be forgiven of that sin so that you can be made right with a holy, perfect God. It's not just that, but it's even in how we live this day. It's knowing that that God is living in me. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is living in me. It means that that when I walk through difficult days, I have the security of knowing, just as as we've read about and as we've sung about today, that when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he'll comfort me because his rod and his staff. Because he's with me. So there's security that is only found in him, and at the same time, there is a satisfaction that can only be found in Jesus. He says here, a thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you abundant life. Over and above, exaggerated life. That's what I've come to give you. And he says here, I I love the picture that he paints here in verse 9, as he says, not only will you be saved, but you will come in and you will go out and you will find pasture. This is what a sheep is created to do, isn't it? This is the fulfillment of a sheep being what it was destined and designed to do. Can I tell you what the abundant life for you looks like? It's not having all the riches in the world. It's not achieving the job that you've always wanted. The abundant life for you is living out what God has designed and desired for you. That's the abundant life that he offers us, is that we can live in the fullness of how he has designed you and what he desires for for you, to walk an in intimate relationship with him, to leverage your life in a way that you know will impact the kingdom of God, that will make a difference in people's life. Are there blessings that come along the way? Absolutely, and we praise God for the blessings that he gives us. But he's saying, listen, you come to me and you will find true satisfaction. Not a happiness that may come and go, but a satisfaction that is of soul level. Think of Psalm chapter 16, verse 11, where he says that the fullness of joy is found only at the right hand of God. The fullness of joy is found only at the right hand of God. Now listen, this doesn't mean difficult days don't come. We know that, right? Challenging moments come in our life. We still live in this broken and fallen world. And there's no promise that as a Christian that every day is going to be full of only happiness and satisfaction. But the security and satisfaction is found only in Jesus. It allows me to experience all that this life has for me, regardless of what my circumstances may bring. Finally, I want you to see here, not only is he the true shepherd and the providing shepherd, but he is the good shepherd. Look at me in verse 11 through 18. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees the wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he's a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep, but I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them in also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. Verse 18, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have have the right to take it up. I have received this command from my Father. Jesus now is going to use the phrase that we know, I am the good shepherd. This word good that is used, callous in the Greek, it has several different meanings that go with it. It can mean noble or fitting or even beautiful. For him to make this statement here is pointing again to his character. It's pointing again to his nature and the type of shepherd that he is. He's not just the rightful shepherd. He's not just the providing shepherd. But he's speaking here to his heart. He's speaking here to his character that he is the good shepherd. What makes him good? Well, he reveals it here to us. Look at me in verse 14. He knows the sheep. I am the good shepherd, I know my own, and my own know me. Doesn't it feel good when somebody calls you by name? Man, I, it just, just does something to you, right? Now, sometimes it catches you off guard, right? Sometimes I'm in a restaurant, and they're like, hey, are you Michael? And it's like, what did I do, right? <laughs> but it makes a difference. Man, my heart's desire is I want to call every single one of you by name because it's a joy to be your pastor. And even though we're a big church, we want every person to know they matter to the heart of God and they matter to this church. And sometimes I get it wrong, even this morning. Sorry, Matt, your name's not Chris. <laughs> sometimes I get it wrong. But it's important. It's important because if someone knows your name, it means that they at least care enough to acknowledge you for who you are you are and what it tells us about this shepherd is that he knows his sheep by name that means today in the midst of billions of people around this globe and all that's happening in our world that the God who spoke all things into existence and the Bible says he sustains it all he knows your name today I believe he knew the name of the Samaritan woman at the well. And not just her name, he knew her shame-filled past. He knew the hopelessness of the woman who had been bleeding for years with no cure. He knew the name and the broken heart of the young woman who broke open the alabaster jar and anointed Jesus' feet with her tears and with that priceless perfume. He knew Zacchaeus. Remember that moment? Little Zacchaeus climbing up in that tree? Zacchaeus, come down. And not only did he know Zacchaeus' name, he knew that Zacchaeus was a conniving cheat and was taking advantage of others through collecting taxes. He knew him. And he knows you too. That's what makes him good. He knows your insecurities today. He knows your doubts today. He knows the anger that you're carrying in your heart today towards that person who wounded you years ago and you just never can let it go. He knows your addiction today. He knows. He knows it in this pastor's life. He knows it in in, in the oldest person in the room down to the youngest person in the room. He knows his sheep. And what makes him good is not just that he knows, but it's what he does for the sheep. Don't don't miss this. In in verse 11 and verse 15 and verse 17 and verse 18, he uses the same phrase over and over and over again, that he lays down his life. He lays down his life for the sheep. What makes him good? One, he knows the sheep. But secondly, that he lays his life down for the sheep. Oftentimes when we think about King David, we think about him being the psalmist, right, and um, sitting there playing his songs on the harp and the lyre. But I, I hope you understand that, that David could have been a UFC fighter. He was a bad man. If you remember... <clears throat> a conversation that he's having in Saul, 1 Samuel chapter 17, doubting David in his small stature. And he's thinking back in that moment as they're doubting him, the fact that he used to keep sheep for his father. And I love what he says. He says, when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. Who wants to mess with that musician? I mean, can we just for a moment visualize him grabbing a lion by its mane? I walk out of the house at night and see a stray cat and I jump, right? That's what good shepherds do. They protect the sheep at all cost. And what we see about the true shepherd, the good shepherd, the one who is calling into your heart today is the one who recognizing our sin and our shame, knowing our guilt and our brokenness and knowing that those things that separate us from God because God is a holy God, who will reside for all of eternity in a holy place. And because of our sin and shame, we can't have access to this holy God because it would blemish his character. We can't expect to go spend eternity in a holy place because it would blemish that place. Our sin that we would bring into that place would blemish it. But God in his desire and his love and for his glory desires to have relationship with you and I. And the only way to do it was that the Lion of Judah would become the Lamb of God. And that the Lamb of God would come and live a sinless, perfect life and he would die a vicious death. That on him the sins of the world would be placed so that you and I could be forgiven of that sin, knowing that that sin had been rightly dealt with, the punishment had been paid through the shepherd laying down his life so that we could be made right with him. We could be in that relationship with him. We could experience the joy of eternity in his presence. Last thing here that makes him good, not just that he lays his life down, but that he's in complete control. I love this. Verse 18, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. I love the picture it paints here. It shows us that what's unfolding in the Gospels is him going to the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection was on his own accord. You remember as he's confronted after he's been arrested, he says, man, I could call down legions of angels at this moment, but he doesn't. Why? Why? As Hebrews tells us, it was because of the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He laid his life down for the joy that it would bring to his father and for the joy that he knew it would bring us, that we could follow the good shepherd.